I don't know. It's just like, it's an experience, man. Like wearing a shirt, I wear so much that I kind of forget that I have it on. But like hearing the murmuring behind me, hearing the, you know, the random like clicking of a, of a somebody taking a picture of my shirt or somebody tapping me on my shoulder, like it's truly an experience. And I think mm. that's that's something that I really didn't intend, but it just kind of happened. You know what I mean? Like, You're tuned in to Soul Force Ones, a podcast where we take fresh and revolutionary out-of-the-box approaches to interrogating professionalism and the workplace, exploring how careers, activism, spirituality, and hip-hop, otherwise known as cash, rules everything around us. Our first track includes The Remix, a conversation about Yeezy and The Gap, and a cipher featuring Darius Northern, founder of People of Color Clothing. So, Colin, did you did you see this uh, Kanye West Gap store? He wrote this handwritten message, and then they just blew it up and put it right on top of this like three story building in Chicago. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's not surprising. I feel like it's it's Kanye doing Kanye. Um, how do you feel about it? Well, so I'm wondering the difference between Yeezy and Adidas and this Yeezy and Gap. Like, I get Yeezy and Adidas, right? Adidas has a brand, you know, you go back to the 80s, hip-hop culture, B-boys and B-girls, they're wearing the stripes, the Adidas. So it makes sense for Adidas to be connected to hip-hop culture, to be connected to Yeezy and his brand. I don't understand... Gap and Yeezy. To me, Yeezy's cool. I have questions, and I think we'll get into this, about Yeezy and the representation of hip-hop culture, given the the things that he's been saying and the alignment with Donald Trump, make America great again. But just focusing on Gap, Gap's not cool, is it? Am, am I just missing the mark? Like, Or is that what they're trying to do? They're trying to be fresh and clean and, and leverage Yeezy and his brand. I'm uh I'm not the person to ask about what's cool as far as fashion. <laughs> um, it could be like rebranding. It could be connecting with the demographic that they're not big with. There's clearly that, but I also wonder, right? This is all current Kanye, mm-hmm. right? So this is this is bringing in Kanye to the gap when Kanye is a pretty controversial figure in the hip hop community. Right, so they're bringing in someone who's already aligned themselves with Trump, which is interesting. Because then I wonder, like, how how does that work? Yeah, so I, I question the timing. So George Floyd was murdered two, three weeks ago, and so you suspect that for something like this to happen, it's plausible that there were conversations a month or two ago. Maybe this just landed right now. I'm also questioning that you know maybe two, three weeks ago. Gap realized that this is an opportunity to capitalize on what is going on because I firmly believe black right now is good for business, right? So you see all the statements that are going out, but you don't see boardrooms changing. The, the conversation is happening, but I don't know that we've seen the results just yet, right? And so I, I wonder about the, the intentions. Like, are you just trying to capitalize on this idea that black is good for business and your your brand is dying because retail stores are dying. 
And so desperate times call for desperate measures. And so there's Yeezy. He's done it with Adidas. Maybe he can do the same for us. But Black has been good for business for a long time, right? I mean, I, I understand, but this is like a current shift where certain companies and corporations are making statements or rebranding or, you know, changing the the syrup bottle, right? It's like, damn, 2020, like, oh, we're a little, little late on that one. But, right, it's a moment where it's to that point. And we could talk about the, the Washington football team too, right? You know, saying Black Lives Matter, but not changing the name, like you mentioned before. Right, it, the Washington Redskins. Like, you have no legitimacy at all. Like, who the hell are you to say anything about Black Lives Matter when your name is the Washington Redskins? Right, and I think that plays a little bit into also the different way that different communities are racialized and how for American Indian and Native folks, Right, there's that attempt to erase and think of as a, a, a thing of the past, right? And so overt racism against Native peoples is okay, whereas overt racism against Black people is not okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that's right. what I was thinking about in terms of, yes, Black has always been cool. It hasn't always been cool to be Black. It has been cool also, arguably, to be racist, and that is now not cool. Right. Because you'll be taking the task. Like, you, you just can't, you can't get away with the Aunt Jemima bottle. You can't get away with the, the songs at the, the Disney Splash Mountain that are rooted in racism, right? So now everyone is taking you to task. So you can't get away with that shit. You have to change it. But Kanye, right? Like, why Kanye now? Why is right. he the one? Right. Especially someone who is really not at the forefront or not even if I can say, on the right side of this issue. If it were Kanye, you know, George Bush doesn't care about black people, Kanye, that's one thing. If it's MAGA hat wearing, you know, I'm meeting with Trump, Kanye, that's another right. thing. Right, so, yeah, are people in the hip-hop community, black people in particular, are they going to get on board with Gap because of Kanye? Because I feel like that's already an uphill hurdle to begin with because it's the Gap. Like, you don't have the Adidas brand. You don't have that legacy. Like, how are people going to start rocking with you? I think it's just because he's had the success with Adidas, and they figure if he did it there, he could do it for us, too. Right, yeah, it's the corporate folks or, or the, the board folks, right, saying, hey, this worked for them, let's bring them in. And maybe it's to make white kids that like Gap feel mm. cool or like uh, it's authentic. Right. Because who made this decision, right? Like, I don't know what the, the Gap boardroom looks like, I'm imagining it ain't a lot of people that looks like Kanye on there. Right. It's a bunch of white people. So it very well could be that. I like that idea. Yeah, let's go after, like, who's consuming hip-hop the most in terms of that demographic? Where's the money at? It's, it's the white people and their parents. So let's, black is cool, so let's let's frame this. But but I think you, you raised that interesting question is, is Kanye... The individual, the best representation of hip hop culture. Is this even a representation of hip hop culture given the MAGA hat and everything that he has now become associated with? That spectacle, right? I, I firmly believe that he's, he's a very ingenious, smart, creative person who is exploiting and taking advantage of whatever opportunities there are. And so, if that's wearing a MAGA hat, because I can get some press, because there ain't nothing but good press. 
then that's just furthering my brand, getting me exposure. You know, I drop tracks in the church. Again, I'm, I'm exposing myself to different demographics and different people. And so this is, I mean, I don't hate on Yeezy. Like, by all means, you're getting paid. You're furthering your brand. I question Gap. And what are your intentions? What are you, what are you trying to do here? But then again, you, you got corporate board members and you got shareholders and you got to make money and you're dying and this is something to grasp onto that that might keep you alive i mean we know their intentions <laughs> right right but just all of it like all all of it right needs to be i think critiqued and, and we haven't even gotten into like who's who's making these clothes what is the line of production like from the raw materials to the dying of the materials you know like there are issues with so much of it but then there's there's what's at the surface right and what goes on with the marketing i don't know i can't speak to kanye's intentions i'm sure he's getting paid well but you know as far as is the motivation behind it i think we know what that is right sure it's all about the money yeah cream right cash and, and, and that's also in the time of what is it called like um yeah fast fashion fast fashion right love the alliteration but you know it's not good for the environment it's not necessary we don't need that many shirts every year that's that planned obsolescence. Well, but it's not just planned, like in the razors that you have to then buy. It's us wanting the new clothes because you could have some ripped jeans and put a patch on it. But we want what's new and latest and we want 500 pairs of shoes or 500 pairs of sunglasses. And it's that consumerism because that's what keeps the world turning, right? Money makes the world go around. And if, as we saw, when COVID first hit, things dry up, there's a lot of hurt. Yeah, I mean, the system is based on that. And that's the interesting thing about the current times is like capitalism in the way that the capitalist system that we live in can't take a, a pause at all, right? The quickest little pause due to a global pandemic and we're talking about having to open things up before it's safe. We can't take care of each other. We have no safety net, right? But yeah, I mean, it's interesting. And that's where they're putting money into, right? I mean, how much... Did you see how much Kanye is getting for this? I know stocks went up by 18% once the collaboration came out. I don't know how much he got paid. I think I heard estimates that to make it worth Gap's while, the idea is that their brand would have to increase in value by something like a billion dollars. Because I think it's a 10-year deal. Worth maybe somewhere between six hundred million, a billion dollars, something like that. I, I imagine. So he's getting paid. Um, you know, Gap's a huge brand as well. I read. So this was Cohen analyst all Oliver Chen. So he told Forbes magazine that Gap needs the younger customer who cares about streetwear and who loves fashion, and that this is a luxury brand getting more accessible. I'm imagining Yeezy is the luxury brand that's getting more accessible with a lot of market demand because they get more exposure with, with Gap. So yeah, I think it's it's interesting that Gap, I guess, is entering the streetwear because I don't think they're in streetwear. I don't think any of us would characterize Gap as streetwear. We think of chinos and, right? So who wears streetwear? That could be, that could be interesting as well to think about how hip hop has changed so much to where like rappers are wearing cardigans, hmm. right? And was it like capri pants or just... The style has changed so much in the hip-hop generation, right, from 80s to 90s, 
right? You got Fresh Prince, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? It was very different between Fresh Prince and then like, right, the Death Row and Biggie era, and then the 2000s to where we are now, right? It's a very different hip hop fashion is very different as well, and so I guess Gap could get into that, right? Yeah, yeah, that'd be interesting. It'd be interesting to see if they are embraced. Because it would take a real change in their model and their marketing, what they're all about. And I've, I've been of the opinion that in the last two, three weeks, a lot of the conversation has been surface level in terms of racism, right? There's conversations certainly that are t- being had about systemic structural racism. Um, there's certainly conversations about police brutality and defunding police, but then there's the, the the statues, and I'm all for take down the racist statues, right? These are symbols, and I think of removing those statues as being symbolic in its own right. And then on another level, we have this continued emphasis on consumerism. Like I think of when Donald, not Donald Trump, when George Bush after um, 9/11, the first thing that they said was go out and shop like the, the, we cannot let the terrorists win we got to basically still go and spend money right because that's what our right. system is built upon and so then in a situation like this you have disney and splash mountain and changing that song you have conversations but the board right you have nike coming out and saying uh for the first time just don't do it right there, that whole advertising campaign but their boardroom, as many people have pointed out, is still very white. So when are we going to get deeper into this? Or maybe we are getting deeper. We're having some conversations. But when are we going to start seeing some of those results? I'm also going to push too a little bit and say, is it just about getting representation on the board? Or is it deeper about, do we need a board? Tell me more Could, about that. How much power does a board have? How much money is are the board members making how much power do the workers have it's like reimagining the structure itself in a model where maybe the workers actually have more power and say instead of just saying how do we get representation on that board let me ask you this because i think this is this could be somewhat interesting in terms of how you framed the board and when is enough quite frankly right and and i think of Yeezy and shoes and hip-hop culture and and sneakerheads this collection where I want 500 pairs of shoes, right? Is that similar in some ways? Don't we facilitate that as Consumers because we also want more we want the flashy cars. We want that so we drive that demand which then also simultaneously Creates the boardroom and the shareholders who also want more and more and more yeah, I think it's both, right? I mean, we're conditioned that way. We're taught that that's freedom. We're taught that that's desirable. But that's capitalism, right? I mean, that's what we're that's what we're sold. That's the image of success that we're sold, right? Right. How much can you have? It's unnecessary, but how much can you have, right? And that's just something I wonder. And I thought about it when watching, I don't know if you saw the video recently of, I think it's in St. Louis, the protesters walking through the neighborhood on the sidewalk to get to, I think it was the mayor's house, who released protesters' like names and addresses. Wait, and hold on. They released protesters' names and addresses? Yeah. Like publicly? 
Under what grounds? Yeah. Like, what was the... That makes no sense. Like, I mean, privacy's all but gone out the window. That that sounds horrific, like horrible. Like, isn't that against the law? I don't know if it's against the law, but it it's a statement, right? It might have been folks that wrote letters. I forget exactly what it was. Okay. Like, calling for defunding the police or exactly what it was. But okay. um, the folks' private information was given out, which is kind of like a cult... I mean, it's endangering their lives, right? Right. But I believe there was a march to their house and some people in this mansion nearby went out with this with a, a semi-automatic and a pistol and were waving it and pointing at the protesters two white lawyers on the front of their mansion and my thought process is like is this what redistribution of wealth would look like just right behind the scenes like in in my mind right like clearly these people have this huge home this huge lawn you have all of this injustice you have people marching to protests and these fools come out with guns waving them at the protesters threatening them right yeah it's completely racialized it's the fear of black bodies it's Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, there's so much there right it's it's don't don't let those protesters be armed right oh no 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 never because you know beware of the black panthers and you know forget about the school lunch program but if they're you know holding guns you, you everyone could be armed just not certain people who you know it's the same thing with the mask right like these these calls yeah. for you know even i think black people themselves saying we don't want to wear the mask some people right because we are afraid of the risk now because of how some people perceive us right which is just crazy in its own right like now is it going to be covid19 that kills me or some racist white person right yeah it's 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 unbelievable but i'm just i mean i think it is both right i mean we if we don't purchase these things if no one goes out to buy cool yeezy gap clothes then they won't do that right if everyone demanded that their clothes be made ethically as difficult as that would be because i don't think there are a ton of options then people right corporations would be forced to change they do what benefits them yeah, there is truth in that, but I think it's difficult because you're up against so much, right? Constant advertising, constant messaging, tricks like greenwashing, like pinkwashing. So are, yeah, what, we're, what we're experiencing right now, is it a sort of blackwashing? I would just say a continuation of the history of appropriating. No, I mean, appropriation is there and it's been there. But yeah, I mean, this is this is different, right? This is trying to be woke or doing a soup very very like the minimum right so like nascar getting rid of the confederate flag which is a good thing right like i mean we're not we're, we're, we're saying yes this is great and but it's also like the least like why is that even a thing now like cool congratulations for catching up to the party it's the same thing with like congratulating on a man for doing the dishes how low is the bar what are right. we expecting right 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 um so yeah, it's good. It's progress, but it's like y'all should not be receiving any positive press for this. Right. Let's not have a party for this because yeah, you just took right? out the dishes. Like this is the issue we're supposed to have already been doing. Yeah. Why are we celebrating right. this? Why are we okay? Yeah. So I'm thinking, but yeah, I mean, it, it definitely is something, right? Where it's brands are trying to portray themselves in a way, right? You got people walking out at market of choice here in Oregon. And I think Whole Foods too, 
because they'll have a statement that says Black Lives Matter, but you can't wear a mask that says that. Well, and if something is political or not, right? Because the statement Black Lives Matter as a statement isn't political. But if you associate that to demands, actions that are being born out of the Black Lives Matter movement, it arguably could be political. But then again, with free speech, and I think what we're experiencing right now is, to some degree, political discourse is happening within boardrooms, within companies, within the public sector in terms of how we approach this. So there's some questions, yeah, around but it's, free it's speech and what's permitted. It's been political before that, right? If you're not talking about political things, there's still sexism there. There's still racism there. There's still misogyny there. It's still very political, right? It's just that blind spot of white as the norm or default, male as default, which is hella political. Well, yeah, I think it becomes what is defined as political, right? Because if it serves my interests, social dominant cultural norms, if my power is maintained and you're not calling it into question, well, that's probably not political. But when you start questioning my power, it becomes a little political. I don't like that. So let me squash that. Right. Right, because you had said something about, you know, Amazon. Or maybe this was in you. Maybe this was something that I heard. I think it was on Charlemagne the God and Andrew Schultz's podcast where they were talking about how Amazon is going to be perfectly content saying, yes, Black Lives Matter. But as soon as that Black Lives Matter takes on a more socioeconomic concern and says boycott Amazon, Amazon's not going to ride with, yes, boycott Amazon, right? You, you cater to your interests, to your bottom right. line, to your shareholders. And so, again, it's good for business to come out and have a statement. So you go ahead and do the statement. So Kanye wrote that message that they blew up and draped on the side of the Gap store in Chicago, right? So that message, it says, thank God. Hi, Chicago. It's yay. This is the Gap store I used to shop at when I would drive my Nissan from the south side. So blessed. I thank God. And I am so humbled at the opportunity to serve. I put my heart into the color palette and every detail. I love Tron the original. Do you like stuff? I don't know what to do with my hands. Love Yeezy. What does that mean? And why was that put up on a mural? And more importantly, who are you serving? Capitalism, baby. Yeah. But easy, I don't know. Are you gonna are you gonna are you gonna support? Are we gonna like rock that once school opens up again? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's it's easier for me to just say no. Like I you know, I'm not paying three hundred dollars for a pair of shoes. Um if anything, I'm I'm sitting here wondering because I'm all about like a simple lifestyle, so because this is just, it's the monk kind of, you know, this is just how I am. Because I'm going to pay more attention to inside of me than the external side, right? And, and I think that's what professionalism is. It's about integrity and work ethic and, and, and how we treat one another and our shared humanity. And, and less about this physical representation of it all. So, no, I'm not going to be rocking easy. I mean, to each their own, right? If you got the disposable income and you can throw that kind of money down on shoes... By all means, if that makes you happy, go for it. That, that's just not me. But yeah, I don't know who he's serving, though. I don't know who you serve through a partnership with Gap, other than those shareholders. 
but that doesn't seem to me to be something that deserves to be up on a billboard. Like, are, are young kids in the street looking that up and saying, okay, he's serving me with this? Like, this is helping me out in my condition, the suffering that's all around the world? Like, homie, like, this is not the time to use that type of language in terms of serving people when people are struggling economically, health-wise, people are dying. I mean, we're experiencing a spiritual crisis, and you're trying to tell me that you're serving people through a partnership with Gap? By all means, I'm not hating on you in terms of the partnership. Go out and get yours. Do your thing. Build your brand. But you're not serving us with this. But I don't follow him too much. You know, I got friends who do, and I feel like as I've gotten older, there's so many artists that I like. There's only so much time and bandwidth that I have that I kind of let Yeezy go a good 15 years ago. <laughs> he he did some production with Quali with and he was kind of with Quali in common and, and uh-huh. was deaf for a bit. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And then uh, after that, that was it. That was about it. Well, yeah, I mean, I think when he's on the music, I mean, he's one of the best in terms of producing and putting out jams. It's when it goes beyond the music and it becomes a brand and I think that's when I get lost. That's when I kind of fall back. I haven't liked his music for a long time, I think. Oh, really? No, yeah. Oh, okay. No. But that's me. I mean, I'm, I'm a hater. That's like my, <laughs> my job. Questions need <laughs> answers. Can you turn me up some Hey, uh. Do Kanye Cope got a wardrobe? Do Kanye Cope got a Morse code? I ain't got it. I ain't got it. Check it. Do Kanye Cope got a mascot? Mascot. Do Kanye Cope get me sad pop? I can't call it. I can't call it. But yeah. See, I never been cool, but I've been cool enough rapping like this kind of gave song one the plug, but I understand the mecca of the super superficial. Pink wristband, let me through. What's the issue? I could never clout chase. I could barely clout crawl. Do this shit without y'all. Fuck it, call me outlaw. Silly me to think I did it all from the rapping. Part personality slash part capping. I capping, I can't hold on to the sinking shit. And I don't care what you think of it. Holding on for the brink of it. That's the fun part. Glorify the grip on bullshit. That's the dumb part. I'm R. Kelly, mess with kids. Yes, mate, it was two of my faves, so I stay with my sensei. Never know when you gotta cancel the icons. Took my pants off, but my man keep the lights on. So we have Darius Northern here. He's the, the founder of uh, People of Color. And we're going to talk a lot more about this clothing brand and all the amazing stuff that Darius is doing with this brand because it's so much more than just clothing. Um, but, but I had a question for you because Colin and I, we were talking about Kanye. And so I took issue with uh, Kanye's handwritten message. It was sprawled on a Gap store on Chicago's Michigan Avenue. And it included, I thank God... And I am humbled at the opportunity to serve. So I think of people of color in your clothing brand that includes messages like everyone deserves to walk into an environment where they can bring all of who they are without the pressure of playing into white cultural norms. Like that's fire. Like that's powerful to know that somebody's walking around the streets of America with 
a hoodie or a shirt with a message like that. And so I think of your brand. It represents social justice and activism that serves a higher purpose, that truly serves people and helps people express themselves and more importantly, ideas in a way that even bright colors can't. And so I think of you and what you're doing is serving in a way that even Yeezy isn't. And so I'm just curious your, your thoughts on that. I don't know. I just really wanted to A, have something that I owned, have something that I created, have something that you know I could wear and feel proud of because it started out as a me project. And then, um, I don't know, it just kind of grew. Like once I realized like we can express ourselves through this, you know what I'm saying? People of color is the, the overarching, you know, um, word that kind of brings us together. And everything on my shirt kind of has like, has meaning. But the back, once you get to the back, it's like, oh, okay, that, that brand's different. And I think that's what I wanted to create. And I think Kanye is just on a, he's on a whole different wave. I think he's just, I think a lot of these people, a lot of these artists, a lot of these companies, they create stuff that's just meaningless. So it's just like, it's just like, you know, what is, what is that Nike shirt saying for you? What is that, what is those three stripes saying for you? What is Under Armour saying for you? And even like in the midst of like the George Floyd thing happening, it was like, okay, it took Nike almost four days to release a video. It took Adidas, didn't release something until Nike released something. And, you know, I'm looking at all these big brands and I'm like, okay, what is Gucci saying? What is Chanel saying? What is all this stuff that, you know, predominantly black culture invest in and makes popular like what are these people saying about black culture and black lives and a lot of them was just like blanketed or not even saying anything so it's just interesting to see Kanye align himself with the Gap brand versus creating his own entity it's just I don't know it's really interesting Kanye is, is, is different yeah what do you mean when you say that he's on a higher level because and, and maybe it's in terms of like monetary success but when I think of higher level like I, I think you're on the highest level possible. Like when, when, in terms of meaning and substance, like your shirts have messages on them. Like, I don't know that there's that type of meaning. Cause I get that. I'm not a fashion dude. So I should, you know, be front and center with that, that I don't understand the whole culture. But when I look at, I get the idea of expressing yourself. So I'm going to wear some bright colors and that's expressing my individuality. But what you're doing, like that's meaning behind ideas. I don't know that those clothing lines or those clothes that someone wears has substance and ideas that it conveys, like what you're doing. I, I, I understand where you're coming from, um, and I can completely agree with you. When, uh, when I said higher level, I was just kind of thinking in terms of like his platform. You know what I'm saying? He got the Kardashians working for him. He got ETV. He got you know all these different entities that make Kanye like Kanye literally released he literally released plastic shoes and it just like like messed up the internet for a day or two you know what i'm saying like kanye has like that when i say on a higher level he's got on it. that level like me i gotta i gotta write a long caption i gotta do spell check i gotta send it to my team i gotta right. do a photographer i gotta post at the right time like everything for me has to align so perfectly and kanye can just push a button and like mess up the whole world for a couple of hours I got it. Okay. So in, t in terms of that level of influence, and certainly I'm sure he, he was grinding the way that you are to get to that point to where things become seamless because be, you have people behind you, you have a team, you got this energy, and that's something that you build and you create. And, and we were just talking about the growth of 
of your business going from a room to a basement and thinking of those next steps and and you're building that energy yeah absolutely and it's uh i think like having that growth mindset um and it's kind of like one of those like shape you know catch 22 to where like you appreciate where you came from you're thankful for where you are now but it's just like this this unrelenting like wanting to be bigger than what you are right now and i think like there's moments where I have to kind of like sit here and look in my basement and appreciate everything that I have around me. Now this basement is like dungy. It's like spiders and all type of stuff down here, but it's mine. You know what I'm saying? Like I created this basement and it's mine and I own it and I love it, but I can't help but to think a year from now, like, and I wonder where I'm going to be a year from now. Right. But I got to enjoy this moment because this yes. is like, I know what it took for me to get here. I know like the, the sleepless nights, the, going broke, the negative messages that I got through DMs and emails. And I know what it took to got, get here, you know? So um, I appreciate where I am now, but it's just like, I can't wait to see what's to come. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. so, well, and what, what I appreciate is that you've been building this because you're seeing all of the messages, all of the efforts that are coming out, you know, two, two and a half weeks after George Floyd stopped breathing, after his murder, then all of this happens. But you've been building it. And so it's it's refreshing to know that you've been grinding. And so then in a moment like this where we need this more than ever, it's it's been built. You, you've been grinding and hustling and doing it and to make sure that when this moment happens, we have a clothing brand like yours that's out there that's available. Yeah, I think and it's, it's cool because it's like I've been trying to be the alarm clock since 2017. 2017, mm -hmm. I think I wore I actually wore my first shirt in public in your wife's class. Um, I didn't take off my jacket because I was nervous and I was sweating and I was like, oh my gosh, like I know what I have on the back of my shirt. It's gonna make people like, you know, so like I didn't take my jacket off that day, but like, uh -huh. I just remember sitting in your wife's class and like, like your, your wife is a different breed. She's a different type of professor. Like she's just, I've never had a professor like your wife before. <laughs> but it's just like after, I think like week two happened and she just kind of gave me the confidence mm. just to take my shit off, you know what I'm saying? And once I took it off, that's when like POC was like, it was kind of birthed, you know what I'm saying? It was like, it was nice in my room. It was cool wearing around the house and like, but once I took that jacket off in that classroom, it was like, okay, I'm here. And um, it's just, it's just crazy to go from that moment into to this moment and trying to, you know, literally be that alarm clock for people to wake up. You know what I'm saying? It's just cause it's like, you know, we hear that alarm clock and sometimes we hit snooze. We hear it, we, we hear snooze, we hear it, we hear snooze, we hear it, we turn it off. So it's like now, you know, like you said, like with everything going on, I've been in a long clock for so long that people are just now starting to realize like, okay, there, okay, that makes sense, you know? And now some of the pieces that I have, like, I think one of my most controversial pieces um, is like, you know, racism is essentially a white problem. We just bear the bruises. And that's mm. something like whenever I post that, I'm getting mm. DMs, I'm getting emails. I like getting, that negative comments and people were like, you know, racism, you know, we all were responsible for racism, but I'm just like, okay, how does my black racism affect your white life? You know what I'm saying? And it's just having to have those conversations. So people get it now, even to the point to where like, like people are requesting that shirt to be released. Um, so it's, it's just crazy how time can change things. Yeah. So shout out to Dr. Yalda Asmati, uh, my wife. She's she's now Dr. Mom. She she's at home, you know, educating our five and seven year old, you know. Um, and we could have a whole new episode about why that happened and how that all went down, but we'll save that for another day. 
Um, you know, because I, I, what I appreciate, and I think I've heard you say this in terms of the conversations that you're creating as a result of your, your clothing, and I was thinking about fashion, and like right now I'm in a hoodie. I think we're all comfortable in how your messages, your clothing, makes people uncomfortable, which I love. Yeah. I think uh, your wife actually gave us a project. It was like an open-ended project, which uh, it's like an end of term or whatever, and we had to create a piece. Um, and I essentially wrote a letter to white people and I just envisioned myself on this podium and just like tapping the mic and just kind of like talking to white people. And um, I remember like, as I was trying to curate information and inspiration for that, I walked past this white lady and she kind of, you know, how like white people give you that smile when they like walk past you like that. Um, but that <laughs> just like, she gave me that smile and it just like, it just made me so angry. And mm-hmm. then she's like, I wish I could have that joy. You know what I mean? So I walked past her, she gave me a smile and then people just keep doing it. I'm just like, I wish I had that joy. Like, I, I'm having to think about and carry my race everywhere I go. So, like, you know, I started POC. I really didn't have a mission. I really didn't have, like, I just knew I wanted to express myself. So as time went on, I developed certain concepts and certain ideas. And I realized, like, this brand can really generate conversation. It can really make people uncomfortable in a positive sense. And um, I don't know. It's just like. It's an experience, man. Like wearing a shirt, I wear so much that I kind of forget that I have it on. But like hearing the murmuring behind me, hearing the, you know, the random like clicking of a, of a somebody taking a picture of my shirt or somebody tapping me on my shoulder, like it's truly an experience. And I think mm-hmm. that's that's something that I really didn't intend, but it just kind of happened. You know what I mean? Like I just knew like I had this idea. I was frustrated. I was looking for this cathartic way of expressing myself, and. Boom, like this happened by, I almost want to say by accident. Um, but it's just, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's amazing how, I don't know, it's just, it's amazing how this is all taking shape. I like that it's an experience because you think of, uh, you think of people going places like, like spending money on something and this idea that I'm going to go to a concert and it's an experience that I'm paying for, a memory, and how I, I would have never thought of clothing as being an experience. it's like you have on you have an aura it's not like you put on your nike shirt and it says just do it or equality like you're just like all right fuck, i I got it you know it's on Uh you're having a poc shirt it's almost like you're being intentional right so when you're standing in line at fred myers or the pizza parlor at cold stone and somebody walks up behind you it's just like okay let me make sure the back of my shirt is straight Hmm. it's like because i know they're gonna read I know they're going to have a response. I know they're going to tap the person next to them and say, hey, look at that shirt. And it's just like, you have that power as a person of color or ally. Um, and I think even the ally edition shirt that I have is even more of a, a unique experience because then it's huh. like, I'm comfortable because I have this people of color, big ass people of color logo on my chest. And I have a small print active ally edition. And it's just like, you know, I get so many messages like, yo, I want to buy that shirt, but I just don't feel comfortable with the logo. And I'm just like, well, you know, imagine, you know, being the only person of color in a room full of white people. Imagine how that person feels on a daily basis, having to go to work every single day and wear that face and laugh at those bad jokes and shake your hand a certain way and mm-hmm. say pro instead of, you know, saying my, you know what I'm saying? So just mm-hmm. imagine that, you know, you putting on that shirt for eight hours is something that that person's living with every day. So. It's a unique experience, and um, it's just really dope. It's really dope. That is dope. 
That is dope. Because it's saying this is who I am. This is this is what I'm about. Um, hey, so the the NBA is starting back up, right? And so I was thinking about um, just the dress code and how it, it generally, when Stern implemented it, it was uh, addressing conservative business attire before and after games. You know, and 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 I was thinking of Allen Iverson and the, the criticisms that he had in terms of I can't I can't be my authentic self, and. So a writer for the Rolling Stones, Zach Graham, he said that although players were initially critical of the dress code, over the years, NBA players accepted, then embraced, and eventually began to have fun with the new dress code, changing men's fashion in the process, right? So I think of Dame in a, in a suit with a hoodie underneath, and which I think is fly. And so I'm just kind of curious of that. And, you know, I'm in a hoodie right now, and I was thinking, would it be professional for me to wear one of your sweaters to work because I look I work at a public institution right so it also brings in what is free speech what is political speech and you know recently at market of choice I think Colin was telling me about how uh, employees are banned from wearing a black lives matter mask and so thinking about even that statement which in and of itself, like, yes, all lives matter. Yes, black lives matter. Those are statements. But then they mean something, right? Like the reason why it's not cool to say all lives matter is because you're completely disrespecting the fact that black lives matter. It's become a retort to that when there is no retort because it's just simple fact that black people, like white people, like brown people are human beings. And so all of our lives, each of our lives matter. And so I was just curious. Yeah, can I, can I wear one of, can I rock one of your sweaters? Should I be able to rock it to work? And just that idea of fashion in terms of NBA, you know, banning fashion that oftentimes was associated with hip hop culture and just how that all kind of evolves because I want to rock your sweater. And so I'm just kind of sitting with that that idea even of being able to do that in a in a professional, quote unquote, work environment. Keep saying like the word professional and it reminds me of the word professionalism. Yep. I think a lot of ways, like professionalism is rooted in white comfort. Mm-hmm. Right? So like, when you they say, oh, be more professional or wear your hair in a professional manner or, you know, do this in a professional manner. And it's just like, OK, make me comfortable. Essentially, it's like, it's like what the white power structure is saying. Like, you know, don't don't talk like that. Don't wear your hair like that. Because like for me, my hair, the reason my hair is like this now is because I almost got fired from a job because they wanted me to cut my hair. And I was mm. oh, it's just like. You know that idea of professionalism and fitting into like this white culture norm is something that has to be addressed um and i think like even the way that we talk amongst like urban people and even people of color in general it's just like especially like with, within the realm of like hip-hop like we have a certain vernacular we have a certain slang we have a certain way of carrying on ourselves shaking hands and the way we greet each other and the head nods and stuff so like we come we come as we are but like in the the essence of professionalism is to make you bland and make you like fit into like mm-hmm. what makes white people comfortable essentially. So I think that um, I remember that transition vaguely as a kid and the whole like NBA dress policy and everybody kind of like having to, to you know wear suits and stuff like that. And I think like now present day people kind of people have the NBA players have kind of turned it into like their own like walkway in a sense, right? Their runway. Because, like, they got the fashion, you know, Russell Westbrook is, like, notorious for, like, you know, coming to his game day attire. So it's almost like they took lemons and, again, made lemonade out of it. And now it's like, you know, they're, I don't know, they, they made it cool, right? So mm-hmm. um, 
I think the idea of professionalism is, is a very, it's something that has to be addressed. And I think, you know, even for you wearing, a, 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 especially at Oregon State, um, you should be able to wear your hoodie because they've milked the hell out of my story um, through different, you know, publications and stuff like that. So like, if they would have a problem with somebody actually wearing a hoodie to a bit, to a meeting or in front of the, the president of the school, like that'd be extremely hypocritical of them. Wow. <clears throat> I hear that. You know, I was, as you said, taking lemons and making lemonades, and this is probably cause I was just listening to um, Cornell West and Eddie Glaude last night and, and it's just fire. And um, what did, what did West say? He said, it had to do with the difference between joy and pleasure. In your previous response, you had talked about joy, the joy of wearing a shirt. And mm-hmm. I think about the black experience is the love, the resiliency, even in the face of 400 years of oppression, um, to still find the love, the resiliency, even in pain, that it's pain and love. And, and I mean, pain and joy. And joy being different than pleasure is what Dr. West was talking about. But yeah, there's that idea of, of joy. I don't, and, and that experience of taking lemons with lemonades, like you think of, you know, soul food and getting the scraps of the food, but still making this delicious cuisine, um, just, just working with what you got. And so to be even in this moment to survive right here is a testament to making lemons out of lemonade, right? It's Beyonce and, and lemonade. It's, yeah, I, I think it's, I think about that all the time too. I think like, uh, you think about the Black Panther Party, you think about MLK, you think about Martin Luther King, you think about um, you know, all these prominent figures that have tried to you know, usher in a new regime. Um, and like that white power structure is like, no, 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 no. Like, I think even the, the Black Panther Party is still listed as like a terrorist group or something like that, right? The KKK isn't. And I think it's just like, I think the idea I think, you know, black people in this country want the simplest stuff, you know what I mean? It's not like we asking for the, the, the to, you know, rename the country or anything like that. We've just, we've literally asked, asked for civil rights. <laughs> That's just in its most simplest forms. Um, but to, to, to have survived and my ancestors and my mother, like my mother is a single parent of three people, three kids, three children working four jobs and seeing her do that, um, it's just, I don't know, it's an inspiration. I think black people, to me personally, even though I am black, but just looking at the, looking at us holistically, going home and seeing poverty, but seeing people still smile, seeing people mm. still survive, I think it's, I think it's it's amazing. You know what I mean? Like even, I don't know, I've, I just, I've been put in situations and it's just like, I feel like I know how to survive. I know how to stay positive. I know how to, I know how to be broke. I know how to have money. I know how to, you know, make a loaf of bread stretch two weeks. And it's mm-hmm. just like, you know, those are things that might be depressing to some people and be like, oh, but for me, it's just like, I know how to work with what I got. You know what I mean? And I think that's, I mean, the word resiliency, the word, you know, the, the phrase making lemon out of lemonades, or yeah, making lemonade out of lemons. Um, it's just, I don't know, black people are just beautiful. Yeah, that actually reminded me of a, of a rant by... Kimberly Jones, she's a Atlanta-based activist, and she was she was talking about racism and kind of helping people understand why protesters were destroying buildings. 
and she said something to the effect of they're lucky black people all they want is equality and not revenge right like in terms of our heart that we got so much love right because we got a lot of shit to be angry about but yet we still lead with love did you did you see that image of uh the who was it oh it was harvard the black graduates they're on the steps and they were wearing all black um there was one like controversy where there was somebody who wrote that they look like a bunch of gang members or some type of idea, right? These are, these are lawyers who just graduated from Harvard Law School. And I, I, when I saw that, I saw power, um, not just in the literal sense that they're lawyers, but just it was powerful, right, that, that image. But they weren't necessarily wearing suits and ties either. They were wearing all black, but, yeah, I was just kind of curious of this idea of, because that, that idea that you were talking about in terms of that we have to conform to white cultural norms and i mean i was just thinking like are we in a day and age where a lawyer could show up in a hoodie we're probably not because there is something about you know when people go to church they still wear their sunday best like what is what does it mean to because i'm trying to get past that idea of it's all surface level and what we look like that it's more about our character and integrity so i'm sitting with this kind of cognitive dissonance where I do get the idea of, of what it means to be in a suit and be professional, but then I'm also questioning why a dashiki, a thobe, why that clothing isn't deemed professional. And I get people will talk about different cultures. Like if I go to Japan, there might be a particular cultural dress that I would then assimilate to. But we are so much of, you know, a toss salad, a melting pot where we brought in all this culture. Like you talk about hip hop culture, like, it's immersed in our culture. So why do we not acknowledge it in the boardroom and in these quote-unquote professional settings? It, it kind of goes back to just making people comfortable. Um, and even like the guy making that comment about those people looking like thugs on the steps, it's just like, we also have to realize like we've been subliminally trained to think of black people in certain boxes, right? right. So it's just like, hey, like even when I walk across the street to go to the grocery store, I still get people, you know, locking their cars. And me, like, I take pride in looking bummy, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I, I might have on like a, a hoodie or some sweats or something. Um, but I see people's response and how they look at me. You know what I mean? Even if they have on like a Black Lives Matter, whatever bumper sticker or whatever, I can still see that reaction, like, <gasps> you know what I mean? Like tall black man, wild hair, like so it's just like people are trained to have certain responses when they see stuff, um, especially white people. Cause it's always, they've been taught like I'm better than them their whole life. Like I'm better than them. I'm better than them. And some of them might not say it, but like that whole like white superiority complex kind of kicks in in a, in a lot of ways. But uh, I think that, you know, America is, I can't even describe our culture without the influence of hip hop in black culture. You take black people out of this country. You take Hispanics out of this country. You take Air, um, Asians out of this. Like, what is like what's left? Mm. You know what I mean? Um, where's the culture? And I think that you know, in a lot of ways, and it should be appropriate for people to express themselves um, in their purest form in these, you know, quote unquote professional settings. Um, that that should definitely be a thing. I think um, you know, we 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 influence the world. 
mm -hmm. America holistically influences the world. Hip -hop, black culture influences the world. Like we are culture in a lot of sense when it comes to like, you know, the influencing the way people dress and the way people talk and the music that people listen to and what's popular and what's not. And I think in, in some ways that should transition into like corporate America. Like this is the, the culture of the world. Like they should be able to express themselves. But in reality, I know like that would never be a thing because white people own everything. So since they own everything, they can make the rules. So you have to dress like this. This is my, this is my structure. You have to come into my building and make me comfortable. Wear what I tell you to wear, dress how I tell you to dress. If I say, cut your hair, cut your hair. If I don't want any facial hair, you know, I don't want like, just like the Yankees, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They made up with mostly black and Dominican and Puerto Rican players, but you gotta keep, you gotta have a clean shaven face. You know what I mean? So it's just like, until we put ourselves in a position to own music companies and uh, production companies and schools and stuff like that, we're just gonna have to like kind of fit into their rules. But within fitting into their rules, we can have those you know, casual Fridays where we can show our ass and maybe put on a POC shirt and, you know, kind of reverse that, that feeling of uncomfortable. One thing is y'all were mentioning like, right, one, why can't folks dress a certain way, right? Like why is only this little sliver acceptable, right, in appearance or what you can dress is considered professional. I've been reading this book, Who Do You Serve? Who Do You Protect? About policing in the U.S. And they bring up they say, to be black in America is to know white supremacy is a culture of theft. Whiteness is a social structure of extraction. Mm -hmm. And it makes me think of, I mean, from the beginning, right? Yeah. It can be literally taking folks and stealing people. It can be stealing land. It can be, right, stealing one's sense of self, identity. And, and Darius, you bring up, right, hip-hop culture, and it's like how... Has that been appropriated, right? Into corporate America to sell certain things that don't benefit the community. So it's it's theft on the one hand, it's always theft, right? But I think part of it is saying you can't wear that, you have to dress like this. So it's literally, you can't bring that with you to this space. And we see it at OSU all the time. We see it at institutions like OSU. So it can be either taking something from someone so that they can get into that space or taking it and appropriating it and sort of taking that and trying to take it from the black community, right? And make it part of just American culture. And if I could add, because I want to hear your thoughts on it, Darius, but I just want to add one more thing to that is, is music. Like you think of Elvis Presley and the blues, and, and that's what West was talking about is, I mean, he just goes in on music, but Baldwin and the blues and just that resiliency, but how that, to Colin's point, is stolen by American culture where you had with rock and roll white musicians using soul music. And the other thing just thrown there is that idea of soul. Like we're called soul force ones and that homage to like, when I think of soul, I think of black culture, like, cause it's soulful, right? Soul music, soul food, like the soul that it, that it requires to overcome all of this shit that y'all dealt with for the past 400 years. Right. But yeah, I, I love that question. I'd love to hear you like just go in on that. I think it's interesting too how like you know the, the the structure will tap into black culture when it's convenient right so they like they point their finger down at it you can't dress like this you can't wear hoodies you can't wear your makeup like this you can't wear your hair like this but when it's convenient for a company like mcdonald's or um 
whatever, like, and then they, they have these commercials where everybody is just like, you know, being black and like listening to hip hop music and like whatever, whatever. It's just like, now it was convenient for me to use this image, but as soon as this is over, we're going back to the professionalism, back to, you know, putting y'all in this box. So it's, it's kind of, it's really interesting to see how, you know, these companies who preach, you know, this professionalism and yada, 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 um, they'll tap into black culture when it's convenient. You know what I mean? So we see companies now having on the website Black Lives Matter or I think uh, Jersey Mike's changed their BMLT or something to, to what they changed the, the, the name of their sandwich to black like BLM or something like that. No. <laughs> it's like, it's, it, it's convenient for you to do that now because it's oh, marketable. Man. You know what I'm saying? Promoting black lives, Black Lives Matter is, is profitable now. So it's like people want to tap into it and, and say these things that they say this week, but once all of this dies down, it's like, okay, back to the regularly scheduled program. Like, you know, let me take this off my website. Let me do this. Let me do that. You know what I'm saying? So it's convenient now. And I think, uh, I don't know. I just think like that, that the culture of whiteness, the culture of, 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 of just Europeans has always kind of been rooted in like taking shit. Right. Even mm-hmm. like when I watched Game of Thrones, it gave me a lot of perspective because it was just like, Nobody was never content with what they had. They always wanted more, right? So we conquered Europe. Let's go get, let's go get India. Let's go get the Hawaiian Islands. Let's go get Africa. Let's go get Central America. Let's go get South America. You know what I mean? And it's just like, let's colonize the entire world. Um, And it's just crazy how like that energy still persists even today. It's just wild to me how much, how much is taken from us as people of color, but how we have to kind of bend over backwards to survive within this white power structure. And it, it's just, it baffles me. But we do it with resiliency. We do it with with just grace. And we just make it look cool. I was thinking, right, on your website, you, you mentioned that you're from Tennessee and I guess spent some time too in Northern Atlanta and then came out to Oregon to kind of get out of your comfort zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought it was beautiful as you're talking about, right, your clothing and comfort and it's an experience. And then at the same time, what you shared about being in Yalda's class, right, like not not taking your jacket off. Could you just talk a little bit about your journey maybe in those contexts, right? And I'm wondering if Oregon at all, being here, also kind of shaped this project of yours Absolutely. with your experiences, right, from Tennessee, Atlanta to the Northwest, which Northwest is an interesting place. <laughs> Um, yeah, a little bit about that journey and maybe those different contexts. I think um, when I was born in Nashville, Tennessee, and I was raised in Norcross, Georgia, so which is a suburb of, of Atlanta. And I think like on the East Coast, you have a lot. You have like, it's just a melting pot of cultures. You have your Middle Eastern, you have your Hispanic, you have your Black, you have your Caribbean, you have your Central American, you have your South, like every, it's just like, it's just a melting pot. So in 2016, when I moved up here, I had this idea of like, of Oregon as being this super liberal, inclusive place. And when I came up here, I, I literally said this to myself. I said, I'm gonna have a break from being black for a little bit, right? Cause Oregon is this place where you can come and just kind of like, they, you know, it's a bunch of tree huggers out up here. Like they gonna love you, they gonna, you know, whatever. And then in the South, I think Trump was running for president. Well, not think, but he was running, running for president. And that, that just kind of like, 
energized the South and the South was just like the overt, had be they became more overt. And it was just crazy in the South, the amount, the amount of American, the, the amount of Confederate flags and stuff. So that's what prompted me to look towards getting out of my comfort zone. So when I moved up to Oregon, this is the only school I did not visit, Oregon State. When I came here, I was taken aback by the lack of diversity. And I was just like, yo, what? What's going on? Like, it's kind of like on Get Out when he goes and they have like that <laughs> party in the back and he calls his homeboy and it's like, yo, it's like, it's like people up here kind of miss the movement. Like, and it's just like, I didn't see any African-Americans. I didn't see really any culture outside of athletes. Of course, like, you know, they're going to have the athletes on these predominantly white um, campuses. But um, I don't know. I think that that experience, that transition really caused me to isolate myself. It really like prompted me not to want to go out to eat or not go to the grocery store and not do this. Cause like every time I went out, it was like, Oh, what's your number? I want to, I want to, I want to make sure I, 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 you know, yell your number during a football game this weekend. And like, are you on a basketball team or you on a yeah. track team or whatever? I'm just like, yo fam, I'm just a regular black student. You know what I mean? But people up here are conditioned to think black person in this space. Oh, he's here to be an athlete. Right. So, I think all of those experiences on top of like being the only African-American in all of my classes, nine times out of 10, um, really prompted me to kind of fall into like a little depression almost. Mm. And I contemplated transferring to the University of Miami, um, but I didn't want to make that drive. And essentially I didn't want to be a little bitch, right? To put it plainly. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that I had to remind myself, I came up here to get uncomfortable. I came up here to, to learn about myself and experience. It's kind of like in that movie or the movies when you kind of go over the hill and you kind of look back at your family and you kind of like go off into the fog. I think that was my moment. So it was definitely some adjustments going on up here, but I think like everything that I experienced from the egregious, overt, like stuff that people have said to me up here in Oregon to you know, being depressed, to isolating myself, to not wanting to leave. So I think all of that laid the foundation for me to then express myself through clothing. And then, oh, by the way, it was like, damn, I feel that way too. Like, can I buy that shirt? And it's kind of, and that's kind of what it's been and what it turned into. But Oregon, the environment of Oregon and not knowing the history, not knowing Vanport, not knowing, you know, it was pretty much illegal to live here as a person of color until 1920 something. Like not knowing that history, um, like if I would have knew that before I came here or before I even considered Oregon State, I would have never came. I would have never came. But again, it was the only school I did not visit. I like Corvallis on paper. It's like centrally located. I like I never lived this this close to the coast. Um, and I just thought it was dope. And I thought that Oregon would be this this place where I could just kind of relax and just not have to carry my ethnicity everywhere but i think places like or not corvallis but places like oregon western oregon i think you know it's covert racism and i think that's a lot scarier than mm. in the south where it's overt so when it's overt i know who i'm dealing with you got that confederate flag on your truck i know not to go into that building i know not to live on that street i know not to communicate with you but up here you kind of got to wait until like maybe a current event happens and somebody might express their thoughts and it's like, oh damn, y'all been ha ha in and kicking with you and that's how you feel. And it's just like that's a lot scarier than, you know, what you see in the South. So like Oregon is definitely 
inspire me in just unbelievable ways. You know, I, I think if I was still in the South, I would still be comfortable. I'd probably be, I don't know, I probably, I know I wouldn't, you know, be, um, I know I wouldn't have developed the people of color brand. So everything kind of happened in divine order to where like, you know, I came up here, I experienced what I experienced. I went through my turmoil. I was depressed. I did all of that, but it was all for a purpose. Hmm. And now like, my, my pain has been turned into a clothing brand that can then inspire other people and impact other communities and wake other people up. And I just think that's beautiful. That just reminded me of this. This quote from Baldwin, because um, he, he he had experienced near the end of his life, so he was in the, and I just learned this yesterday from Dr. West, was like twice in his 50s, and then I think maybe once in his 60s, uh, tried to commit suicide, and thank God he failed, um, because he was experiencing so much despair after King and Malcolm, after dear brothers died, and... Like he was someone who always just kept it real, and so even in the face of that despair, again going back to that love, you know, he was able to lead with love, and it had something to do with like when he was leaving the world. Th- this was like on the on his deathbed, so not suicide, just dying. And I, I imagine natural causes. However, he passed. Um, was was hoping that the world could learn something and be led by the love, even in his despair. I'm not quoting him accurately i wish i had written it down but i'd only recorded it um but yeah i was i was interested in the fact that because i was going to ask a similar question to colin but more framed around building this brand here in a place like oregon and i thought it was fascinating to consider that there may not have been a people of color just like we wouldn't exist if there weren't all of these miracles on the way right that led to us being here in the flesh and just that idea of, yeah, if it, if it weren't for those challenges, whether it be you being black in a vanilla place like Oregon and dealing with that hardship, that this brand and everything that's so beautiful about this brand that you've created never may have been. I think it's, it's really wild to think about. Um, and it kind of makes me appreciate, again, like what came before this. You know what I mean? Um, it's those long nights, those long walks, those like, just, I don't know. It's just been, it's been a lot, but I'm just thankful and grateful that, you know, I was given this gift. I was given this gift for people of color. I was given the gift for, to click on that YouTube link and figure out how to make shirts and to have the confidence to order the equipment and then make it and then wear it. And then, so everything, like you said, is kind of have, having to fall into like this perfect, almost perfect like um, transition of like, okay, this had to happen so this could happen. That happened so that can happen. And it's just, it's remarkable. It's remarkable. And um, again, your wife, like her class, being in her class, like really gave me the confidence to really express myself. And I think uh, just with, with her, with her verve, her energy and her approach to, you know, social matters um, that really like, invigorated me to do more and want to do more want to express myself more more in a provocative manner because it's just like you know as as people of color we always try to coddle you know white people okay like let me explain to you this let me explain to you that but 
sometimes I get tired of explaining, you know what I'm saying? And sometimes I get tired of posting about, you know, stuff. But I can, if I can put on a shirt, if yep. I can put on a shirt and just simply stand in line and like live my life, mm-hmm. order my, my number six, you know, no, no meat, no, you know what I'm saying? Order my number six and have you behind me like, like, you know, flush red and like nervous and taking pictures and, you know, lost in thought. If I can create that moment while I'm ordering my number six, that's beautiful to me. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, it's been a pleasure to share this time with you. Thanks for making the time for us. Hey, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciated the conversation. Appreciate it again. Number love. Thanks for doing what you're doing. I think it's great and absolutely necessary. Thank you for tuning in to the first episode of Soul Force Ones with MC Stoll and DJ Cole. And thank you for bearing with us during these COVID times as we deal with technology issues and get things figured out. A special thank you to Darius Northern, the founder of People of Color Clothing here in Corvallis, Oregon. You can check out the brand at peopleofcolorclothing.com. That's people of color with a U, C-O-L-O-U-R. And on Instagram, at peopleofcolorclothing. The track of the week is thanks to Psalm 1 and Optics. Check out Psalm 1 at psalm1.bandcamp.com. She's got albums on albums worth listening to and supporting. And thank you to the great OJ the Producer for creating our theme song here on Soul Force Ones. You can check him out at ojtheproducer.com and on Instagram as ojtheproducer. Make sure to check out our second track for the announcement of an exciting collaboration. We'll have a discount code to help you save money on something that everyone needs. And we're even going to be throwing in two free pairs of Soul Force Ones. One for you and one for your friend. It's going to be like Oprah here. You get one, everyone gets one. Track two includes a cypher featuring Giselle Ruiz, Global Acquisitions Rainmaker at TikTok. Until next time, y'all. Peace.